Okay. This is our very first Private House Calls podcast, and joining us today is Christoph Porny from Christoph Porny Studio. Christoph is a furniture restorer extraordinaire and author of The Furniture Bible, and together with his partner Jason, who unfortunately could not be with us today, launched an exceptional collection of furniture care products that we are fortunate to carry at Private House. Their studio is located in Brooklyn, but they also live in Sharon, Connecticut, so we kind of consider them neighbors. And they are among my favorite people in the universe. Welcome, Christoph. Good morning, Suzanne. Thank you for having us. And thanks for joining us on our very first Private House Calls podcast. I know. I'm always, always the first somewhere, you know. <laughs> and I'm happy it's you. So although I know you, Christoph, I don't think that all of our listeners do. So tell us a little bit about your backstory, where you grew up, what your parents did, and how you actually got into the business of furniture restoration. So I'm from France. I'm French. From the south of France, a little village, uh, one of those perch villages, you know, like uh, outside of Cannes. I mean, a beautiful, uh, beautiful setting. And my parents uh, decided in the 60s, end of the 60s, to open an antique store there. So I basically grew up uh, around furniture, antiques, old uh, paraphernalia and old, all these kind of things. And when I moved to the States, uh, trying to, to get a life on my own, trying to, uh, to, to escape, you know, uh, I, I don't know what, mentally or psychologically, but I was escaping. That's, that's the truth. Uh, came to New York and uh, decided to do for a living what I actually knew mm -hmm. and, and starting my own business of antique restoration, conservation, finishes. And here we are. And here we are. Most of us would like to escape to the south of France. So it's interesting that your escape was to the United States. No, it's, it's, it's true, actually, because when, when people uh, think about the south of France, they think about, of course, I mean, a glorious place, one of the most beautiful places in the world. But there is always another side of the, of the coin when it's, when it's not summer anymore, uh -huh. when the lights of the Cannes Festival are shut down. It's still... A very small place and and a kid that has, has aspirations may want to escape and, and and try something else the beauty of the landscape of the scenery is not is not everything so when did you actually come to new york what year was that it was the beginning of the 90s i had done i had gone to paris first as as we say in french monter à paris which is going to the capital and try try uh, try at it And uh, my uncle had a great, great antique store on the famed Rue Jacob in, in Saint-Germain. And I was working with him. It was, everything was perfectly fine, except that there is a big divide in France between Paris and the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. And then I never fitted or fit exactly uh, in Paris. And then I realized also that Paris was maybe a little too small. And it's only when I moved to New York, when I arrived at New York, that right away, I mean, New York has this kind of, um, makes this kind of impression on people. They know right away if it's for them or not. If you, if you arrive in New York, like, that's it. I, I knew for the first time in my life, I knew that this is, this is where I belonged. This is where I was going to do something. And, 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 and I'm still there. Love, hate, but 
that's that's the place. Isn't that the relationship that everybody has with New York? It is a love-hate, but it sounds like the bright lights and big cities suit you just fine. Yeah, it did. Yes, 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 it did. Did you open your studio right away, working for yourself, or were you working for someone else when you came to New York initially? It's a mix of the two. My parents had a client, an old lady in the village that had townhouse on, on West 4th. And uh, I, I remember ringing on her bell at 10 o'clock at night one, uh, one day and, uh, and saying, like, you don't do that, Christophe. This is not the south of France. You, know, you don't ring on old lady's bell at 10 o'clock at night you know, in New York City. She actually took me under her wing and introduced me to plenty of other clients she had in uh, West Village. And I was doing restorations on site. Uh, I didn't have a studio at the time. So I would convince people, you know, that it was better, you know, to do the restoration of their pieces on site in their apartment or in their townhouses. I, I started to know a couple of designers. One introduced me actually to this antique dealer that was not an antique dealer at that time, but wanted to open her first gallery, Amy Perlin, famed now uh, an antique dealer. And together, really together, we opened her uh, gallery on... Uh, Park and 82nd Street. So I worked for her uh, for two years. Yes, for those of you that don't know, Amy Perlin was a famous antiques dealer and had amazing taste in gorgeous things. She specialized in French antiques, although I do know she bought all over Europe. Uh, Sadly, Amy has passed away and she's no longer with us, but her legacy lives on. She really was the best of the best. And so you had a very good teacher in Amy. Or were you her teacher? Well, it was a back and forth. It's not putting her down to say that she didn't know much about antiques, and I did. So that was what I was bringing to the table. Uh, She had an eye, so that's hers. That was not mine. And uh, she taught me a lot, actually, about business in New York. I was a provincial in, in many ways. And uh, when I saw the way people conducted business in New York, how forward she was with people, how tenacious, what you had to do to succeed in New York, she taught me a lot about that because I was always more in the background saying, like, you can't do that. She was like, yes, of course I can do that. So it was really, really a back and forth relationship. I mean, we, we, we really clicked together. She, she was a really a great lady. Hmm. You call yourself provincial, and yet I think of you as a bon vivant, because I didn't know you in your provincial days. <laughs> so you started your studio, you're doing conservation and restoration, and shortly after that, you met Martha Stewart, who invited you to make an appearance uh-huh, on her TV yes. show. So you have to tell us that story. How did you meet her? How did all that happen? I met her through the magazine, actually. Martha Stewart and her organization, it's, a, it's like a beehouse of talent and uh, always hungry for new talent, new ideas, new colors. They found me pretty easily. And I started actually making some contribution for the magazine every time they had uh, questions or articles about how to take care of your furniture, how to uh, deal with this, deal with that. Every time you would actually contribute to Martha Stewart living or being in contact with them, they would invite you right away to visit their office. 
I mean, office doesn't give it justice. It's like, as I say, like beehive. I've heard it's quite the experience. And I mean, they know why they were doing that. Because when, once, once I was there, I, I was like, wow. I mean, it took me, it took me three days to come down back to earth. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. Storyboards everywhere, deliveries going in, things going out, uh, objects, furniture, repainted, redone. Then you pass another, uh, corner and people are cooking. And then you pass another corner and people are planting. And then, I mean, it's just, just absolutely amazing. Everything that Martha did was a wow. I was one of the original devotees of her magazine, and I believe I read some of your contributions before I even knew who you were. I couldn't wait to get home and get that magazine and curl up into bed and also turn on her TV show on Sunday mornings. It's, it's absolutely amazing, amazing. She is an encyclopedia of interior design, cooking, planting, uh, everything you can think of. And she's actually really a teacher, more than an entertainer. She always described herself as an educator yeah. from the early days. And yes, her knowledge is vast on all subjects. I think that's what I always admired about her. And not just that, but she could do everything she was teaching you how to do. She can. Which was sometimes infuriating, but it is remarkable. So, Christoph, tell me if I'm remembering this correctly. You went on to her show... You did not have your collection of products yet, so you kind of concocted a product to be on her very first show, and she liked it so much she asked to take it home. She did. And then I think your and Jason's wheel started turning, and was it that kitchen table potion that actually inspired you to develop the products after that experience with Martha? Yes, it was, actually. The first segment was about taking care of your furniture, repolishing your furniture, do some very, very simple tips. So I, I, I prepared a jar or two of the, of the products that actually we use, the traditional techniques that we use in the studio. So we made something very, very natural with like natural beeswaxes and virgin oils and sap. And we used this product on the segment. When we got invited again, we had actually our first product, the furniture tonic, done, bottled, labeled, and ready to go. And she was so happy, so, so happy to launch it nationally on TV. I, I will always remember the beaming smile on her face when she put out this bottle, and that saw her. I can only imagine how wonderful that was for both of you. And I think she is still one of your biggest fans, no? She is, she is. Uh, we developed our line of products and maybe now I think we have like around 20. And every time there is something new, we send her something and, uh, and she uses it. Does she critique each product? Does the teacher in her come out and analyze it? Has she ever returned anything to you? That's a very good question. I have to say that she has never returned anything or say like this doesn't work. So yeah, she's still a she's still a big fan. That has to be one of the highest compliments because Martha is definitely a tough critic. So you mentioned earlier that you do conservation in addition to restoration. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I happen to know that you have worked on a few very famous pieces of furniture. Yeah. So can you tell us yeah, what those course. were? Everything that is in a public space or that is in a museum belongs to us. One of them being the writing desk of uh, George Washington. This is, I mean, this is a, a piece with great history and a story that is not unlike a lot of antiques. So tell us. The capital, you know, was once loosely uh, New York City before it became uh, D.C. And George Washington had his uh, writing desk in, in New York City. When 
when everything moved down to DC, the desk stayed in New York. And as it happened with a lot of antiques, got stored somewhere, moved around, and people lost trace of that of that table. And I'd imagine it was very neglected. It was very neglected. When I got introduced to the piece by Mayor Bloomberg, who was one of my clients, through uh, Jimmy Drake, great uh, designer, they asked me if I could take care of it and, and look after the piece. So the piece became my, my little child. I, I go to see the piece like once a year, maybe, and look at uh, what needs to be taken care of, damaged, to dry, to this, to that, and, and, and keep it in the same, in the same shape. The, the difference between between restoration and conservation, you're there just to keep it afloat. You're not there, you know, like to change the finish, change the color, or even bring it back to its original state. You're just there to make sure that it is not falling apart. It's not degrading in any way. Wow. You know, if I'd gotten that call, I would have been incredibly intimidated. It is intimidating in the sense that you bring something of you to this country and you make the best of it. I came from another country, I had a talent. I used it to become a part of it. And when you get in some moments like that, you know, being in front of a piece of furniture like this, you stop and you reflect a little bit and it's like, wow, that's it. Yes, yes, yes. This is, uh, this is it. I'm, uh, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do at the place where I'm supposed to be and when I'm supposed to do it. And I guess they call that the American dream. Yes, it is. So, Christoph, any other famous pieces of furniture you've worked on? The Pope's bed in New York City. There's an apartment for him that only him is using. When he comes, everything has to be looked around in, in, in the bedroom in order to be sure that nothing fell apart during all those years of uh, absence. So I did regularly uh, went back and took care of the cleaning and restoration of the bed. So that's an original thing also, you know, that you never think uh, when you grow up that you're going to end up, you know, like jumping on, uh, on the Pope's bed. On the Pope's bed? No. I think that's something that's probably not part of the original American dream, but it is pretty remarkable. I actually didn't know the Pope kept a New York residence until I met you. That in and of itself was fascinating. And of course, I just have to ask, have you met our current Pope or the last Pope? No, 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 no. I have never uh, met him. When he goes to bed... You're not there, and they want to keep it that way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, so you've done conservation for the best of the best. You do restoration. You have this wonderful collection of products, and apparently you weren't busy enough. So you decided to write a book. So I decided to write a book. Absolutely. Which I know was a labor of love, probably more so than you even thought it was going to be, right? It was the first, so I had absolutely no idea what it was going to be. Actually, when I went through the process, you know, of uh, you have an agent, you write a proposal, you s your agent submits the proposals to different publishers. What I had in mind was something that was actually really focused on, on, on refinishing, on, on finishes. Mm -hmm. And the publisher, actually, Leah Ronan from Artisan Book, I mean, a great, great uh, publisher for every craft and every hands-on knowledge, told me that she was more interested in me and all I could put on the table than just finishes. And she's the one that said, like, could you do something like the Furniture Bible? Then I was like, well, yeah. And she's the one that found the title. I said, like, this is America. You know, I, I, know, I know you don't mess up with the word Bible. But you do have your relationship with the Pope's bed. So somehow there's a transition there that does make sense. Yeah, exactly. It's very religious. Antique restoration is like a cult. So we started this way and it became 
uh, it became a label of love because I wanted something really different from all the other picture books about antique restoration and, and do-it-yourself, which are all great books, but very dry, very black and white pictures, just simple drawings. I wanted something beautiful. I wanted something where you have context, history, pictures, designs, where to buy furniture, how to restore things, the styles really a Bible. It, it took two and a half years to put the book together. And that's uh, not counting the preparation, the, the going to publishers, trying to sell the book, the, the proposal and all that. Uh, two and a half years just to make the book itself. Well, I have to say it is a gorgeous book. Thanks. Thanks. It's a book that everybody should own. It's educational. It's how-to. The photographs are beautiful, but it's also gorgeously illustrated by you and pretty much tells everybody everything they ever wanted to know about wood and how to take care of it. I really think it was very generous of you to share all of that knowledge with us, Christoph. I think that everything you know, everything you learn, everything you discover, you should actually put it out to the world for other people to enjoy it. That's the only way to progress. That's exactly what I wanted to do. I never invented anything. I am just the recipient of some traditions, of some knowledge. I may have found a couple of little tricks very modestly. You modest? <laughs> I'm very, very happy for everybody to know. Everybody, to, they, you, you don't own anything. You're just the recipient of something. You make it blossom and you just pass it on. If you can inspire a couple of uh, vocations or some people you know that can actually follow you professionally or even on their own take care of a piece of furniture that was neglected that's uh, that's the best thing you can do well in its own way the book is also very empowering because it is approachable when you're reading or referencing it you do feel like i can do this i can do this i'm being taught by a master and i am going to do this you sort of feel a level of confidence as you're going through the book and trying to work on projects. And of course, once again, you have the endorsement of Martha. Yes. Because didn't she write the forward to your book? Yes. Well, I, I didn't think there was anybody better for the forward than, than her. So I did ask her and she was very enthusiastic. And she said, like, absolutely, absolutely, I'll do something. As everything she does, it's very thorough. She read every page of the book before putting her, um, her stamp on it. When I feel depressed, which happened to everybody, when I feel a little down, I take the book and I reread the foreword and it makes me feel like a million dollars. <laughs> I love that. That is wonderful. Yeah, ex exactly. Nobody could have done it better. Now, earlier you said, well, it was my first book. And so, of course, it was very nerve wracking. Well, does that mean there is a second book coming? I'm preparing something. Yes. Uh, what do you write after you have written a Bible? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, that's, I guess, what we'd like to know. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a... Uh, but I think we agreed on something. I have to pursue this thing. I can't talk about it, but uh, if, it, if it works, it would be something great. Yes, another something great. I hope so. I hope so. But of course, I'm going to get you to commit on air that you will do a book signing at Privet House as you did with your first book. Of course, of course. Yes, 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 of course. Well, you know, our products were sold first in your store, Privet House in New Preston. Our first book signing was at Privet House. So every time there's a first with us, you know, it has to go through Privet House. Well, we love that. So, Christoph, I know obviously you are a small business as we are. So, how are you adapting to what 
we are calling this temporary new normal. I'm very optimistic on what is going to happen for small business. I really think that we are now the anchor of a lot, a lot in the economy. We are the one that makes things work, small businesses. So that's going to attract energy and capital. People are going to get more and more local, order locally. They're going to feel safer if they order things from a restaurant that they know instead of just going to a big supermarket all the time. Exactly, exactly. Same with small stores, small businesses where people actually know the owners. I think there's a comfort level in that. Yeah, absolutely. This is where we come in, small businesses. We have a we have a role in teaching people, not just pushing merchandise through people's uh, throat. I think that's very well said. And how are you spending your personal time while your business is closed, Christophe? Well, as you said, I'm a neighbor also because we bought a house in uh, Sharon, Connecticut, not far away from uh, New Preston, where you are. And uh I'm basically taking care of all those projects that I started uh, throughout the years and never finished. Yes, like everyone else. Like everyone else. So, Christoph, just curious, and maybe this is not the best time, given what's going on in the universe, to ask this question. But looking back, if you could do it all over again, would you still just jump in? Oh, yes, of course. No regrets? You'd come to New York? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, my only regret is that uh, I didn't come sooner. And we are so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Tell us what your favorite product in your collection is. The one I prefer is actually the, the first one. And that would be the furniture tonic, right? The furniture tonic, because you can apply it to so many things. It is a product that every time people use it, there's a wow factor in it because it really takes care of the dullness on furniture. And it's a beautiful product. I just don't know how to say in another word. I mean, it's you, you just apply it on and you're just like, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. Your tonic and your color reviver also. I think of them like energy supplements for your furniture. You apply them and the furniture comes back to life. The way that supplements do for us. Yeah, no, no, no abs- abs- absolutely. It's uh, it's the vitamin C for your furniture. Exactly. And just in case anyone is wondering what my favorite product is, I'd have to say it's the cutting board tonic. Oh wow! Yes, yes, yes. I honestly don't know how I lived without it. I love that product. I feel like I could drink it. It smells so delicious. You know, we sell a lot of cutting boards, a lot of vintage cutting boards in our shop, and so your cutting board tonic just brings them to life like nothing I've ever seen. It's absolutely gorgeous. Isn't that great to think that you can have actually a aha and an existential moment and, and, and a beautiful time cleaning things and taking care of things? Exactly. I mean, cleaning usually is associated with the word chore when actually if you have beautiful things that you bought in a beautiful store like yours, isn't that a pleasure to take care of them, to clean them, to polish them? And it should be a beautiful moment to clean your cutting board to take care of your furniture, to take care of your uh, uh, of, of beautiful garments. Exactly. We, we have to get back to the beautiful small moments in our lives. It's a wonderful philosophy. And I don't know that I've told you this, mm-hmm. but while we've been closed, you know, taking orders and phone calls and doing curbside pickup, we actually have sold quite a few of your products. So I do think people are at home doing exactly as you're suggesting. It's a perfect moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you're so right. So right. So, Christoph, because you've been so wonderful, it's now time for what we call the shameless plug. 
Are there any new products or new things about to happen that you want to mention? Yes, we are developing something for fabric, uh, a stain remover. Brilliant. That is going to be natural always. Very easy to use, always very easy to store, totally safe for pets, animals, and, and everything. So we're developing that. The product is done. We are looking at the labeling and the packaging. And also some uh, so, some beautiful soap holders that we have designed here that we have made in France in the Vosges region, which is basically the other side of Switzerland. Uh, and they have a lot of wood there. It's always been like wood industry. They have great... Uh, spruce they have great walnuts there they are and they they love to do things with wood and we found a lot of small woodworkers that can actually produce things in quantities but still with integrity and by hand oh that's terrific you know i love that everything you do just seems like a logical progression your development feels very organic you know when you say a stain remover i think well of course that makes perfect sense I know you started with furniture care, but really what I'm hearing is that everything you're developing is really just about caring. It's about caring for yourself, for your furniture, for your things, pretty much just for your life. And it is a wonderful sentiment, especially now. Thanks, it is actually. Yes, it is. We don't have to wait for the next pandemic, you know, to... Uh to get back to those moments where you um, you sit down, you close the door, you reflect on how you can take care of what is around yourself, what is your small universe, you know. It should happen more often that we take care of what we eat, of uh, our interiors, our uh, calling people we haven't called in a long time. And I think there have been many of those moments now, and that's really a good thing. I think a lot of people are not going to do the same thing or are actually going to change a couple of things in their life. I think so too. Well, Christoph, I cannot wait until we all open our doors again. But until then, you can find some of Christoph's products on our website, privathouse.com, and you can find the entire collection, plus some of those other goodies that Christoph spoke about, on ChristophePorny.com. That's C H R I S T O P H E P O U R N Y.com. Thank you, Christoph, so very much for being with me today. Thank you, Suzanne. And I, I, I look forward, you know, to give you a big hug again. Likewise. Big hugs and a big kiss to you. Thank you.